Hello again and welcome to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and streaming to CHD TV. Uh, I'll start off with our usual disclaimer that the views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of our wonderful radio station, KKNW, or our wonderful host, CHDTV. Uh, I'm just so grateful that in this wonderful nation and republic of ours that free speech still exists and that um, entities such as our platform here today, um, streaming from the radio station, exist to let us speak. Uh, I never valued freedom, freedom of speech until really fairly recently in my life, you know, Um, I took it for granted. I think a lot of people until COVID hit took a lot of our freedoms for granted. And I, you know, I don't do that anymore. I really see how precious they are and how we need to continue to fight to retain them as well as to recover some of the, the, the freedoms that we have lost. Um, I'm going to bring on uh, this afternoon my wonderful co-host, Dr. Javier Figueroa, Dr. X. Hello, Javier. Hello, Bernadette. So I'm so glad you're with us um, today. And, you know, I've got to say that, you know, you are an amazing person. You're a PhD research scientist. You are, yeah, you're out there speaking truth on Substack. You were writing to uh, legislators. You were writing to university officials. Um, You somehow managed to stay employed and speak the truth. And I congratulate you. And I congratulate, I don't know who your employer is. I'm just going to do a general congratulations on them for respecting you and your rights. Um, So big shout out to whoever they are. (laughs) And you know what? I will pass on those compliments. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's it's important today, right? Because so many people just want to jump on the bandwagon of political correctness, expedience, what is being rewarded, what is being incentivized and what and, and shy away from what's being punished. And we're seeing the slippery dangers of of all of that. Um, Javier, we've got a we've got two really powerful hours today. And they're 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 juxtaposed, and I'm really hoping that the lightness of the first will help shine into not the darkness but the the grief of the second. So our first hour, we're going to have a wonderful woman who's all about healing and hope, and in the second hour, we've got the parents of a young 18 year old woman whose life was shortened by just one dose of the Pfizer shot. Um, so, yeah, so, but this is what we bring to you as we, we try to bring you the full spectrum of life. We need this to live informed yes. lives. We need to know what's going on. Um, so our first guest, though, is Karen Maloney, and I'm going to have her come on to the show and uh, and talk to us here. Um, there you go. So um, say hi to your listening audience there, Karen. Let them hear your lovely voice. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone. Hello, Bernadette. Hello, Dr. Javier. It's a pleasure to be here as well with you today. Now, Karen, 
I met you, and this is actually our first conversation. I met you via mm-hmm. email when you were introducing me to somebody else that you thought would be a good guest on the show. Mm-hmm. And I took a look at your profile and I said, well, maybe eventually, but I want you because I love what you're doing. Um, but I didn't expect the accent. So are yeah. you in the United <laughs> States or are you somewhere else? I am somewhere else. I am Irish, living in Mexico. Oh, my goodness. So wow. I'm closer in timeline. Okay. <laughs> but, um, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. from across the sea, the ocean. Yeah. So, so Karen Maloney is the inside out coach. Uh, she works to bust the inner critic, to build self esteem, and to master, help you, teach you to master yourself from the inside out. And you're about holistic well being. And there was something else I saw that I really liked, but I think it was about holistic. I mean, we really are what we eat, mind, body, soul, right? I mean, you can't disconnect any of that. Um, So rather than read about you, can I take you on a little journey about yourself and just ask you questions to inform viewers and listeners about you? So tell us about your journey back up to when you write about yourself on your website that you used to be an anxious person and a perfectionist and start from there. Yeah, it kind of blows my mind sometimes when I think back to who I used to be and how I used to feel inside, kind of unconsciously. I just, it was so normal to me that I didn't even know that there was another way. I didn't even know that it wasn't kind of okay to feel so anxious all the time and to feel so not good enough and just hypercritical of myself. But, you know, it was my normal at the time. Um, it's 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 a way I learned to protect myself and to feel a sense of safety within myself. And again, none of this was conscious to myself at the time. It's all through my inner work and the uncovering and the subconscious beliefs that I saw really how unsafe I felt in my body. And that was through a tra- childhood trauma as well. So the way that at that time I felt I could feel a sense of safety was if I could constantly overanalyze, over kind of criticize, think things inside out and try plan exactly what was going to happen. I was in control and everything was okay. And of course, we cannot control anything outside of us. So I just ended up driving myself (laughs) insane in one sense, but not, but coming to a point of complete and utter burnout And then I went through a really traumatic breakup as well that really just kind of woke me up and was like, okay, I'm the common denominator here in my life. If things keep happening, if I keep having repeating situations or similar situations, no matter what I do, well, there must be something within me. And I was that person who had read all the books. You know, I'd read them all. I loved them. They made perfect sense to me. I thought by knowing the information, it was enough. I wasn't living it. I had no practice. And that was really when I started walking my talk. And yeah, things really changed for me. And I think that's why I help people now to give them the power over themselves and their own lives and to change their own internal world. Because mm. how I feel now compared to before, it's absolutely priceless. That And it's so inspiring to think that somebody who is so deep in their own way of thinking that it felt normal even if it was as it was undermining the quality of their life, Mm -hmm. because we're always told you can't really change. 
But you're here to tell us that you can, you can yeah. find your best self and change how you feel about yourself and feel about the world. Yeah. Um, you're empowered to do that. I that's that's very exciting. You know, I've always been the kind of person, I guess, um, that I gave my and it. Listen to me. So now I'm going to be imperfect. I give myself permission to not be perfect. Because yeah. I know I can't be perfect. And I don't know at what age I kind of figured it out, but it helped me in a way get over myself. It's like, mm -hmm. and, and especially like on this mission, you know, and I entered this as an adult, I was like 50 mm -hmm. years old before I really started in this mission. And I was being pushed up against things completely out of my comfort zone knowing I was going to be very imperfect every step of the way and how mm -hmm. I sounded and how I looked and what I, mm -hmm. you know, all of this. But if I realized if I let that bother me and didn't just do the best I could in the moment, I was going to cripple myself mm -hmm. and I was going to be useless to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. So. Unknowingly, well, we <laughs> so, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I just gave myself permission to, to, not be perfect, but also to try to retain a sense of constructive self-criticism so that, you know, I'm learning as I go along. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Next time I'll know better. And, you know, isn't it amazing? You get to be almost 60 years old like me. I'll be 60 in June. And it's like, am I still making the sort of mistakes that I should have learned like 40 years ago? Really? <laughs> I, I think it's a constant learning journey, isn't it? Yeah. So I don't think it ever stops. And I think if we if we get to a level or a mentality where we think, oh, I know it all, we're not learning anymore. And as Tony Robbins says, if you're not, if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. You know, so, so learning yeah. growth, it's, it's incredible because, and I think that's the essence of us. We are limitless because mm -hmm. there's always new levels as we up level in our consciousness and our thinking and our mindset and our inner beliefs we're still going to have new limiting beliefs to overcome. So that's why it's limitless. And there's this constant expansion if we want it. And if we're willing to grow and learn and to be self-reflective and be self-aware and be willing to change because, you know, that's the other side of it. And it's uncomfortable and it's messy sometimes. Yes. But always what lies on the other side, my experience is it's always worth it. It is. And Javier, doesn't she remind you of exactly what this entire globe is going through right now, where so many of the population are having to face what we just went through mm -hmm. and admit mistakes were made, their own mistakes. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to do. Oh, absolutely. No, yeah. no question about it. And it's important to, to have the sort of skill sets and, and also the availability of resources to when you face that crisis. To have someone that can help you say, well, this is what worked for me. And I suggest that you try these different things. And if it doesn't work, let's try something else. Yeah. Is there, in our conversation today, does it make sense to discuss that now? Or do you, do you have like a, a journey that you like to kind of lead people through of this process? If you're following me, does it make sense right now in our conversation to talk about what do you do when you face that crisis that you've made mistakes and you have to change your life without letting it collapse you into a little puddle in the corner? Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go there. And like, you know, I think the thing about it is as well is there's no one set path. You okay. know, there, there is not one solution for every single person. For every single person, it looks different. But I think, and for me, the very first part that needed to happen was I needed to come into my body, first of all. Because I lived up here in my mind. I was never present. I was always 10 steps ahead of myself. I was never in my body because actually to be in my body felt really unsafe. And again, I wasn't aware of this. So that was the first part for me to, to come into my body and feel safe. Because again, most of us are living in fight or flight. We're living in a constant state of stress. Our nervous systems are out of whack. We're, con we're on high alert. We're on edge all the time. And it's been my experience that it's very difficult to actually do the inner work, to actually go within and be present and look at our mind and what we're thinking and what's going on inside of us when, when we're on edge. So for me, the very first part, I needed to calm my nervous system. I needed to come into my body. I needed to slow down. And that mm. was the scariest thing in the world for me to stop. Because I wow. just had all these stories again that if I don't keep pushing, if I don't keep striving, I'm not going to be this successful person. What are people going to think? I need to prove myself. I need to do this. I need to have this. I need to da, 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 da. So to actually stop, because again, when you stop, things come up <laughs> and we don't have the skills. And I certainly didn't have the skills and the tools to be with what comes up. So what mm. do we do when something comes up and something's uncomfortable? we keep running, we distract, we numb out, we fill ourselves with drink, with drugs, with sex, with movies, with whatever. The world is set up as the perfect stage for distraction. Wow. You, you so nailed it. And, you know, we've sort of raised Jen with all the toys and entertainment available with a flip of a switch in the palm of our hand. I mean, if they mm -hmm. have their way, it would they be in your eyes. Like. Won't even need it, right? Um, we can live in a world of distraction and never really do the, and you know, I'm as guilty as anybody. I confess yeah. right here. I like something going on in the background. I like an old TV show running, music playing, a podcast going. I don't like silence unless I'm really deep in a project and I'm writing and then everything, I push everything aside. I get it. Wow. This is really, so explain like a very, I mean, me even thinking about it, and I feel like I'm pretty balanced, right? Mm -hmm. But the thought of turning everything out and sitting silently going within, yeah, that's not me. Yeah. But explain in a concrete way how people, what this looks like for okay. people to do. And again, it can seem like the scariest thing. And that's why so many people struggle with meditation. And again, I'm yeah. not perfect. I have, I, I, but I'm more aware now of when I am distracting. I catch myself and I'm like, okay, Karen. I know what this is. And that's the thing. We always fall asleep or I continually fall asleep. But it's about my bounce back rate. When do I catch myself? When do I realize, oh, I've gone into distraction. I've gone into a sleep. I've gone into autopilot. So for me, I couldn't sit there and meditate either. Most people can't. So I started with yoga and mm. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> every fiber of my being. <laughs> Because my mind was so crazy. It went so quick. It was like, what the hell is this? This is so boring. Oh, my God. I could have done a million. I, I, have, I have to remind you we're on AM radio. So just. The, oh, what did I say? Oh, oh no. <laughs> just, yeah, that's um, okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but 
yeah, my mind was just going so quick. It was like, what is this? Uh, this is so boring. I could have done a million and one things. I don't want to be here. This is so slow. This is so da, 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 da. like it was mental torture for mm. a long time. Still some days it's mental torture, but I find those days when it's mentally hard is the day I need it most. Mm. But even though my mind really fought me and I hated every second, something within my body happened. For the first time, I just felt this tiny glimpse of like ease. Because mm. again, when I was living in my mind, when I was living in um, high alert, my body was tense. You know, I used to have so much pain in my shoulders and my neck. And for the first time, I was just like, I just, and it wasn't huge. I just felt this tiny little glimpse of space or ease or something. And that's mm. all we ever need, because once we get a little glimpse and we're curious enough, that's what will carry us. So that mm. that tiny feeling is what kept bringing me back to the mat. And again, for ages, this was horrible. Mm -hmm. I kept doing it because I was like, well, what's happening here? Like, there's something. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and that was me as well, being more present, coming into my body. But it was very hard. <laughs> Um, it, that you remind me years ago, and I keep saying I'm going to take it up again, and maybe you'll inspire me here to do it. But I, I got a video on Qigong, mm. if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah. And I began just practicing it, you know, just in my living room and going through it. And I remember that as well. There came a time when I was going through the motions where I felt it. I, my word would have been, would not have been ease, but I love that word, especially since dis-ease disease mm -hmm. you know i mean people keep splitting that word apart uh, on mm -hmm. our side of the natural healing sort of movement because the opposite of dis-ease is ease and that's mm -hmm. what you felt i felt sort of an opening mm -hmm. it was really interesting i felt like like i had been hunched in and tight and i i yeah. carry my stress in my shoulders and neck as well mm -hmm. and a lot of the movements of qigong are very opening and i felt that and it was a freeing yeah. It was wonderful. Why did I yeah. stop? I need to start again. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, any of those slow, mindful movements are incredible. But again, it's anything that we do mindfully. mindfully. Because again, we're not present in anything we do. So even mm -hmm. if we're in the shower, just pick an activity. Even if you're making a cup of tea, set your intention to be really mindful as you're making it. Because normally, again, we're thinking about something else. We're 10 steps ahead of ourselves. We're replaying a story from the past. But any activity that we're currently doing, that we can set the intention to be extremely mindful as we're doing it, again, that's helping us because we're yes. out of the head, we're in the body, we're present, we're connected, we're, we're using all our senses in that moment of what is actually going on. Wow. That is so powerful. It seems so simple, but I, you know, I, I don't know. Are. Yeah. And, and Javier, have, is, is this touching on you personally? Are you doing yoga yeah. yourself or what are you feeling? Mostly meditation, but uh, just uh, daily prayer also is a moment yes. to just sit down and just uh, focus on uh, really uh, becoming one with, uh, with the thought that you're trying to get across in, in a prayer or used to meditate. I exercise, and usually when I exercise, it's it's wonderful because all of a sudden it's just you you feel everything, you breathe, 
And that's all there is. There is nothing else to do. So I have a question for you. So as as part of your journey um, uh, of becoming more integrated, becoming who you are now, moving to Mexico, was that part of a a healing uh, journey for you? Um, It's so funny. I, even as growing up, even though I was very conflicted and I lived from my mind, I was also very intuitive. And I I would have these moments where I'd be really struggling, trying to think through something, trying to plan something, and it just wouldn't work. And then, boom, some other idea would come out of left field. And I just know to trust it. Even though being the person I was, it made no logical sense in any way, shape or form. I just knew to trust it. So that had happened to me again and again and again. I've lived my life like that. So Mexico, it wasn't in my mind to move to Mexico. The end of November 2019, it was all up in my energy. It was like, you need to move to Mexico now. Are you serious? I'm deadly serious. You need to move to Mexico now. That's the message I kept getting. And I know to trust, but I still have that human mind that instantly goes to, where is this coming from? Am I insane? What's happening? Why Mexico? Why now? Da, da, da. I only booked my flights January 2020. And I was looking at dates later in the year because I was like, I'm going to go. But, you know, I need time to accept this and plan things. And I was looking later in the year, like June, July, August, whatever, September. And again, I just kept hearing a voice. It has to be January, February. It has to be January, February. And I knew it wasn't just for a holiday either. I had that message. But again, I had no idea for how long. So I booked flights. I left probably about three weeks later, a month max. And I was like, bye. I'm off to Mexico. I could be home in a month. I could be home in six months. Over three years later, I'm so grateful. If ever I needed a last test, that was it. But so just just listening to that inner voice saying, time to go? Time to go. And I'm a bit unworldly. So explain to me how different it is in Mexico compared to other places during these past three years. Well, I've only been here. So I only have the experience of here. But obviously, you know, my friends all over the world and especially family and friends at home. And absolutely it was scary at the start. There was a lot of fear and uncertainty everywhere. But compared to at home, things opened up a lot quicker here. Life got on because, you know, it's a different reality. A lot of people live hand to mouth. So people could not stay locked up in their homes because you would have more deaths from hunger and families than anything else. So it's been life as normal for for a long time and certainly not as strict uh, as in Ireland like I remember there was a time when people at home they couldn't go further than two kilometers from their house and there was a period of time when I actually couldn't engage and talk to anyone in whatsapp groups because there was just I saw the level of fear and kind of anger and people ready to fight so much more so on that side than here and Nobody was talking about it here kind of thing. It's like, yeah, it's happening, but you just get on with it. You know, it wasn't a constant conversation. Mm-hmm. A friends at home who didn't opt for the vaccine, a couple of friends went through hell. They said they felt like outcasted from society completely. So in that aspect as well, I'm so grateful. And again, there's no such thing as coincidence. And I'm just like... Thank God I was here because I would have suffered so, so bad at Mm. home. Because I I think very differently to a lot of people, and I always have. Wow, that is so fabulous that you 
trusted by that time, that inner voice and learning to trust our inner voices and trying to distinguish between fear and the inner voice. I, do you have children? Karen? No, I don't. No. Okay. And it, it, I think sometimes it's really hard with your children mm-hmm. because we worry about them. We have fear for them. And sometimes that fear and dread is fighting with your instincts and you're trying to mm-hmm. separate which is which, what do yeah. I listen to? And maybe that, that quiet space is probably where, you know, we need to, to visit in order yeah. to find out what's truth and what's just trying to push mm-hmm. from the outside. Um, I want to remind uh, listeners and viewers, um, your website is karenmaloney.com. It's K-A-R-E-N. M-A-L-O-N-E-Y.com if you want to check out what she does as an inside out coach. Um, so, so let's go from there. So you, you discovered early in your life that you needed to take charge. You struggled, you fought it, you did it. Um, how did it become a, uh, a way of life in your career to help others with this? Mm. So, that it, it wasn't necessarily early in my life. Um, I always read the books and that. I knew the information, but I wasn't living it. And mm-hmm. it was after a, a breakup that really I started walking my talk. Everything that I had learned and I had an, a spiritual awakening at that point as well that really just helped me see things so differently as well. Doesn't mean it was easy from there on in, but it was very different. And that idea of taking radical responsibility for myself because I was like, okay, this thing has happened. And my ex had sent me an email and disappeared. Never heard from him since. We were living abroad at the time and I was home in Ireland for a visit and I lost all my possessions, everything I owned. So it was this idea, you know, the shock, the the trauma, everything. And I was just crying and initially went straight to victim taking it my fault what did I do I shouldn't have done this why did I do that did I say this was it this was it that was it driving myself insane trying to figure it out like inside out you know million and one different ways and he was not contactable so it was just me with all my thoughts taking all the all the blame and one day during another fit of hysterics I mean proper hysterics crying I couldn't breathe and just all of a sudden this immense calm and serenity just came over me one day. And I heard a voice and I was like, okay, Karen, you have two choices here. You stay exactly as you are, miserable, missing out on your life, not eating, not talking to anyone, da, da, da. Or you accept this as your reality and you move forward. Mm. And it was just like in that second, I just saw the clarity of, oh yeah, this has happened. I can cry all I want. I can think all I want about it, but I can't unhappen it. And that was the first time as well I actually allowed myself to feel. I actually felt my emotions when they came up. But the thing about it is when you feel them, when you allow them, they dissipate. I didn't live there the whole time. Mm. And yes, I had moments of immense fear and panic. They gripped me. But again, I heard that voice and I was like, put your hands in your heart and start giving thanks. Mm. And there was some days where I was like, what do I have to be grateful for? Like, what but I I would stand there and I was in my parents house at the time because I had no money I couldn't rent anywhere I'd sold my car cancelled all my bills everything 
And one day I'd just be standing there in my bedroom and I just started listing off things I could see. I was like, I'm grateful for the floor, for the roof, for the bed. And I did that again and again and again and again. And then eventually it's like, oh my God, yeah. I was like, I'm okay. And this is okay, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was after that event that I really, really went deep and deeper into everything that I had ever learned and this idea of radical self-responsibility and this idea that no matter what happens to me or no matter what anyone does to me, it's still my life. I still get to choose how I want to feel and how should I, why should I allow someone else to make me feel crap? Yes, there was pain. Yes, there was trauma that I needed to move through, but that didn't mean I destroy me and my whole life going forward. And I went to a Tony Robbins event as well shortly after that that I had booked that was all <laughs> divinely aligned. And it was after that, that I started working with a coach. And then when I was working with the coach, I was like, this, this is what I want to do. Mm. And then I trained again. Wow, I love the term radical self-responsibility. <laughs> that is, that is wonderful. We, we, we kind of need the whole nation under, and learning how to do this, right? You Be self-empowered um, to learn to stand in your truth with kindness, with grace, mm -hmm. with self-responsibility, not blaming others. And um, that is so important. It, it goes hand in hand with my one of my favorite little sayings and that I want to get a big old button for that says, my rights don't end where your product failure begins. But th that's a whole other topic, uh, not for today. Um, so, so tell us about, I, I'm looking at your website at some wonderful modalities that, you know, I've heard about so much uh, uh, here and there, but I've never really questioned people on. Um, I've heard, of course, of uh, Reiki, mm -hmm. but what's IET and could you explain both of those to us? What are those? Um, yeah. What are they? So they're energy therapies. And that was one thing in my life that was always consistent, that I was always fascinated in from a very young age, even though I didn't understand it. I just, whenever I would feel really in a tizzy or at breaking point, I would just go for some energy work. And knowing what I know now as well, that saved me from I don't know what. Because being the person I was and how I lived inside, I was the perfect candidate for some major dis-ease or depression or something in my body. And it didn't happen. Depression bits, but like it didn't yeah. happen to any major, um, major extreme. And I equate that to the energy work. And again, it's this idea that we are energy. Our essence mm -hmm. is a spirit having a human experience versus a human having a spiritual experience. So it's working on our energetic body. And especially Reiki and IET is integrated energy therapy. And for me, all energy therapies are same, same, but different. And they work on, well, especially the chakras in the body, the energy centers in the body, which are all connected to different organs, to different emotions. And it's the idea as well is getting the energy aligned. So like, and I do another modality, silent counseling, which works more in the meridians, and it's based off traditional Chinese medicine. And the idea that as blood flows through the veins, energy flows through our meridians and through the body. And like yep. any holes. You called it silent counseling. counseling. Yeah, that is a new term to me. So yeah. I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but what I would love, I'm a very concrete person. 
if you could explain like what a Reiki session looks like mm -hmm. and what silent counseling looks like to experience. I would love yeah. to hear that. Of course. So they're both very different. Reiki and IET, you're lying on a bed. So the person comes in, they lie in the bed and it's the, the, the therapist that is doing the work. The person gets to lie there, they get to fall asleep, they get to dream, they get to do whatever they want. And being attuned to the frequencies of Reiki or IET, it's like I am or whatever person is the channel and it's energy always needs to balance. So it's the energy doing the work. So whatever that person needs most at that time in their body to help them feel balanced and in homeostasis is what they will get. So for the person, they may feel sensations, they may feel tingly, they may feel hot, cold, or they may feel nothing. They may just fall into a deep sleep and feel rejuvenated afterwards. So, and it's a mixture of hands-on and hands-off healing. So it's touching different points in the body. And then silent counseling is different in the sense that it's, it's working on the meridians and I would muscle test for a person to see where in their body there's blockages showing up. And then we use like acupressure, ac different acupressure points on the meridian and breath work to release the, the blockages. And again, the idea is getting the body back into flow, getting the energies flowing again, because our body is a self-healing mechanism. It knows what to do. It is so intelligent, but it needs our input. It, it really does. Okay, a couple questions and explanations. Mm -hmm. Now, I've done muscle testing with my naturopath. Mm -hmm. Could you explain to listeners who've never had that what muscle testing is? And then after that, I can you explain then how you as a practitioner, the steps you go through in order to place the hands or not, or move the energy, you know, in the positive mm -hmm. way that the yeah. person needs? I, yeah. I want to hear that. Yeah. So muscle testing, first of all, it's it's essentially communicating with the subconscious mind, because, again, our subconscious mind is like a record machine. It, re it remembers every single thing that has ever happened to us or maybe that we're not even conscious of going back to generations past, back to the womb. Previous past lives or subconscious knows. So the idea with muscle testing is that we're communicating with the person's subconscious mind, not with their conscious mind. We're not asking them questions of, do you feel this? Do you feel that? We're asking the body and we get a yes or a no. Now, the person needs to be and we do practices, first of all, to get them what's in called polarity. So we get a clear reading. So we get them to hold a few different spots in the body to to breathe deeply, to bring the body into alignment in the first place, get the energies running. And then we can muscle test to see what's showing up, what blockages are coming up. And it's used in many different modalities. And I know when I first came across it, it was in kinesiology, where they would use it a lot to test all the different organs and, and the body. And, and that's the idea of it, that it's the subconscious mind that we're communicating with. Okay. And I was just going to say, in my experience, um, the naturopath would have me like hold vials of things or like he, he was trying to decide which supplement was mm -hmm. best for what I hold one. And then um, he would try to pull my fingers apart. I know there's ones about trying to push your That's arm different. down or pull the fingers yeah. apart. And it's just the resistance and how strong you are is reflected in that. It's it, it's quite an art, I think, to to really be able to to master 
Um, like everything, it takes a practice because, yeah. you know, we have that thinking mind that's like, well, I don't know, is this right? Well, I don't know. And we start overthinking things. Yeah. So like every, and anyone can muscle test on themselves. Like there's loads of videos on YouTube and like that. You can do the sway test where you're standing up and if you're saying yes and you're going forward or back and you can use it for anything, everything like that, holding it, holding a food, you know, uh, against your uh, kind of towards your diaphragm and just seeing if you sway forwards or backwards you can do fingers you can do you like holding your fingers together in a circle you can do fingers like this so there's lots of different ways and anyone can do it yes it's a practice like everything but anyone can do it and it's Mm. super useful you can ask Mm. questions you can decide should you do this or that um so yeah um before you go on this is really fascinating um javier as a um, scientist and is talking of energy. What are your thoughts on, you know, her terminology that she's using and your understanding of energy and, you know, and our bodies and everything? How do, how do those marry or where do they diverge? Well, when with the, uh, the, the background that I have is uh, strict material reductionism, basically, you know, everything's made up of matter Everything works together in a materialistic fashion. It's clockwork. It's Newtonian. The idea and concepts of energy, chi, reiki, intuition have no place in the modern materialist conceptions. So it took a while for me to actually realize there's more going on Mm -hmm. and to start to accept things that I saw and I could actually measure from what people were, you know, such as yourself, who have been able to, one, diagnose people, two, identify problems and use those techniques. And one person in particular, uh, a a former UW professor who had a near-death experience, Mm. um, she actually came back from her uh, near-death experience uh, transformed. Mm -hmm. And being able to actually see the energy, understand that there was flow. And she became a practitioner and she now has a practice that's grown over the years where she does distance healing Mm -hmm. where she diagnoses people Mm -hmm. and she trains others to do the same. So it's not, you know, 10 years ago, it used to be strange. I Mm -hmm. used to fight. I used to say, I don't believe it, but now it's just, there's, there's too much and too many people doing it and actually having an effect and actually improving lives more so than um, traditional. No, I shouldn't say traditional than allopathic medicine and modern pharmacology would allow it. To, to actually happen. Yeah. Uh, amen to that. And what I always like to think of about, you know, you said that you, you deal with matter. Yeah. But what is matter? Matter is made up of a collection of atoms. Well, what are mm-hmm. atoms? It's a collection of electrons and neutrons and stuff. And they're swirling around in empty space. And it's matter is energy. When you look, the closer you look, <laughs> the less there is there. Hey, it's all about frequencies, baby. It's yeah. all about frequencies. <laughs> but I you know, it. it's funny because even though I would consider myself intuitive and everything, I consider myself a great skeptic. You know, I, I'd be those per- that person as well. That I was like, I don't know. But I find, you know, the more I learn and grow, it's like, oh, it makes perfect sense. You know, mm-hmm. the, the deeper I go, I'm like, it makes total sense. And, you know, when you think about it as well, Newtonian physics, absolutely, it, it has a place. It has helped humanity in evolution. But the way I think, and science is incredible. I'm such a science freak as well. 
But sometimes I think about it and I'm like, yeah, but science is limited by the people who are driving it. Exactly. You know, so, and I don't believe we will ever know the truth of ourselves, of the intuition, of the universe, of God, of source, of this this energy that is holding us all in existence and the quantum. And exactly like you said, yes. when you go into the atom, actually, when you go right, right in, it's 99.999% energy, but actually they're not even touching. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> so it's, 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 it seems crazy because it's like, well, we live in such a physical 3D world and things are so solid. And yes, that is true. But then also it's like, you know, the it's still all energy. Yeah, absolutely. And I just yeah. wanted to add the comment of when you've said that, you know, the uh, learning to accept things that are happening and realizing that it's it's about accepting it and not denying it. That is so important. It's in some esoteric schools of thought, you know, people that believe in predestination, that we we're just destined to walk a path. Mm-hmm. Uh, they the actual lesson is if there is a path that you have to walk, you have the choice of either accepting and learning from it or denying it and suffering with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the choice. Yes. Yeah. Have, there's like a, a bumper sticker that's like happiness is a choice. Yeah. You know, it, it can be a really tough thing to choose at times totally. <laughs> because of what you have to swim through to get there. But yeah. And so my, I guess the other half of my question that I interrupted was you as a practitioner, how do mm. you get yourself into a place where you're healing? Um, because sometimes what I, what I do when I think about sending positive energy, I get afraid that I'm going to accidentally send negative energy right? Mm-hmm. And it's like your thoughts keep going somewhere. Don't go there. You know, just only, you yeah. know, I get afraid that I'm going to do it wrong. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. How do you do it? Well, uh, did I just ruin your mojo here right no, now? You're no. talking about it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. I was okay, going to say two, two things. One in the sense of, I think with any intention that, because again, anyone can send energy, anyone can send positive thoughts. And I think if that's your intention, that's what's going to happen. But mm-hmm. also, if you think, well, I don't know, maybe I'm going to send negative, that's also going to be the funky energy you're sending because we're powerful. Mm-hmm. So also in Reiki, you know, I've been attuned. So I learned from a Reiki master and I was shown the practicalities of the different points on the body and, mm-hmm. and how to hold. And we, we do a three-week cleansing and clearing. Well, first of all, in level one, it's only personal. And that's, that was always my intention I never had any intention of well doing it in the first place or then sharing it but I did the level one and that was just for me I was just curious it just called me I was like yeah I want to learn why not and you do a three-week clearing where there's a period of time where you're doing it on yourself every day and you're clearing lots and then you're you're taught a sacred breath as well that helps you to connect and a visualization to help bring the reiki in and out And so there's that. And then at level two, when you're tuned to that, you're shown more points of the body, you're shown different sacred symbols, and you're shown how to do distance. And after your level two, you can share it with others. You can open a practice if that's what you want. So I had the practicalities of my Reiki master showing me the different points in that. But she's also very intuitive and she taught us to be very intuitive and just trust yourself. If you're feeling called to go to a different point that's not in the exact point, she's like, just go there. And like everything, you know, sometimes 
things that happen when you go into, like I go into a different space when I'm sharing with someone. And this is the beauty of the energy as well, because especially at the start, sometimes I could be like, oh, I don't know, am I going to do this right? Can I do this? I don't know. And then when you're in that space, just something else happens. And I'm not present and you're just more intuitive and I can sense things differently. So again, it's a practice. It's trusting ourselves. It's, it's, it's moving through that self-doubt in all aspects of life because we can mm-hmm. doubt ourselves in anything that we want all day, every day if we want. But it's moving through that and just building that trust of it's okay. I know what I'm doing here. It's okay. And I've been guided and I've been led to this and it's all okay. I, because I, this is the yeah. It's not me. It's when I go into ego and think I need to do this. It's not uh, me. I am the channel. So what yeah. I need to do is just get out of the way and let the energy do its thing. Wow. You know, who said uh, a speech a couple years ago, I was attending an event and Del Victory, you know, of the high wire was speaking to everybody and he was describing a, a, a time in all this craziness where he was feeling the weight of the responsibility. He's the one who was the face of out there mm-hmm. speaking truth, standing on capital steps, saying, be brave and all of this. And he knew so many people were counting on him to mm-hmm. expose injustice and to take action. And he felt the weight of it. And he was, he's a very spiritual man and he was raised in a, you know, in a household. I think his, his father was a preacher and um, he got to that place of what you're describing. He realized that it wasn't about him and it wasn't him doing it. He had to, he was channeling. He was part of this bigger thing happening. And it's like, you see, he had to like get out of his own way, get out of his own ego and just be and do and it freed him up to know that it could be done because, and I love that. I love that. And in this, I don't think we've ever been in a, a time of history where we all need a little bit of that humbleness and mm-hmm. understanding where our interconnection with all life and yet our, what did you call it? Our radical um, self-responsibility. We can't look out there for all the heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, we can support the people standing up and speaking out and being heroes, but we have to be the heroes of our own life and then help others. And um, wow, wow. So in your, um, on your website, it looks like you've got, now you do this all remotely that you help people with your, you do life coaching and yeah. silent counseling and mm-hmm. Reiki um, and IET um, again, it's KarenMaloney.com. Um, and then there was something on here, but I have not been able to find it. But you do mention a little bit about food. Can you explain to us your thoughts on the connection between like lifestyle choices beyond, mm-hmm. you know, what we've energy, what we've been talking about, but your know, food and exercise and all of that? Yeah. Again, it all plays a part. You know, we are what we eat and we are nature and nature provides us everything that we need as well but we get so cut off from that and so disconnected. And the greatest issues and diseases and the biggest killers, heart disease and stroke and cancer, they're chronic lifestyle issues. That's what they come down to, chronic lifestyle issues. Lifetimes, decades of bad eating, stress, not exercising, not drinking water, not looking after yourself, not going out in nature. 
And this is why I always say as well, this is how incredible our bodies are, that it can take 30, 40, 50, 60 years of abuse before something shows up. And I don't look at dis-ease now as a bad thing. That's, And it's not an ultimate death sentence. It's the ultimate cry by your body to say, hey, things have been out of whack for too long. I am drowning mm-hmm. now. I really need your help. And there's been stories again and again and again and again of people who have healed from all sorts. And it's funny, I'm actually recording a, a series on my podcast at the moment all about cancer because I lost my dad to cancer 12 years ago and I went on my own learning journey and I realized, well, it's actually not that scary. It's not the big death sentence that we're all taught. Yes, it's multifaceted. Yes, it can be complicated. Yes, it's different for every single person, but it needs our input. It can be reversed. It doesn't happen just overnight. It's not a pill that's going to cure you. It is your own active changing of your life and the lifestyle and everything that you've do, been doing sometimes up until that point that has caused this but it is reversible it is possible and as well as they say you know an ounce of prevention is worth a pound in cure I worked in a heart and stroke charity years ago I used to work in event management before this and I worked with a heart and stroke charity in Ireland and that's where I really learned about prevention because at first they were all about getting cardiac services in the west of Ireland because they didn't exist So now the hospitals are top notch. So now they work in prevention because up to 98% can be be avoided through lifestyle changes, through Mm -hmm. managing your stress, through eating healthy, through eating your veg and your fruits, through exercising. It's not rocket science. But what I saw again and again was people would just be like, yeah, but I feel fine. And I think that used to be me. Like, I did not have a consistent exercise practice. I would just, I might be great for a couple of months and then I'd do nothing for a year or two years and then I'd start again. And again, it's it's that radi- radical responsibility to ourselves that I love, care for myself so much that I'm going to do it, even if I feel good already, because we're building for our future. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, if we don't do it now, and like they say in the statistics, if we don't, build health now we have to make time or if we don't make time for health now we have to make time for disease in the future and that's the absolute truth the way our lives are the way we're living the way we're so disconnected the way we're so busy we're so switched on there's no downtime there is no other way but there actually is another way because we hold all the power we hold all the choice but we're asleep to it we don't realize it yeah exactly so and it really goes to show how brilliant life is and our immune systems are and our bodies are that they can take an awful lot of abuse a lot of bad food and bad habits before Mm -hmm. it breaks to the point that it interferes with your life enough that you think i gotta change something you know Mm -hmm. and you know when we're young we're like oh i can do that i can stay up forever i can eat that pizza no big Uh deal you know but it catches up with you and then, you know, you, you get wise, you know, unfortunately we are a creature that learns way better by our mistakes than we mm-hmm. do by, um, you know, other people's mistakes. So looks like we've yeah. got maybe two more minutes, um, Karen. So Javier, any last question for our wonderful guest today? Uh, just uh, curious, uh, you know, when you do your work, uh, do people come to you? You know, what's is it a global population or is it mostly North American, South American? Who 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 are the people that you treat? 
Yeah, so mainly between Ireland and the, the States, North America, that would be my main clientele. I'm also studying to be a breathwork coach and do deep, deep dive breathwork journeys. So that's something I, I plan to do here as well in Mexico locally. And retreats and that have always been a thing that I'd love to do, but online at the moment. And I think mainly through online and my podcast, people kind of come across me and sharing with others. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, in the next hour, we're going to be interviewing uh, parents who lost their daughter mm. recently. And I hope they were able to listen to a little bit of this. And I'm going to encourage them to maybe explore some avenues of of healing, self-healing to help them on their journey. Um, so, Karen, you are a gift. Thank you for reaching out to me um, and for agreeing thank to come you. on the show and all you do. Uh, um, Javier, as, as always, great to have you here. Uh, we're going to be going on a, a, a break for about four minutes or so, and then we're going to be coming back with our next uh, guest. So you've been listening to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. We'll be back in a bit. If you're looking for a publication that delivers honest takes and critical insights into the issues of our day, then look no further than The Flame Paper. The Flame Paper is written for the people, by the people, who aren't afraid to challenge a mainstream narrative, be it health care, voter fraud, political correctness, or even the one-world government. The Flame is full of timely articles, reports, and expert advice written by freedom-loving, truth-telling experts, journalists, and concerned citizens. To subscribe, go to theflameusa.com. During this unprecedented response to an infection outbreak, it has been made very clear that shutting down lives and businesses is not sustainable or repeatable. We've also learned that it's unnecessary. Treatments exist and always exist. For 99% of the population, nutrients and oxidative therapies that support the immune system and improve symptoms are always available to address viral infections. For the less than 1% who need more, Inexpensive, unpatentable drugs can be added to the nutrient therapies to improve outcomes. It's time each and every one of us empower ourselves with this knowledge. We need not ever bring our lives to a halt again. We can both save lives and retain the liberty that nourishes us body and soul. Learn more at HealthyImmunityNow.org. That's HealthyImmunityNow.org. Informed Choice Washington is a nonprofit organization that advocates for healthy immunity, medical freedom, and fully informed medical consent. The right to make medical choices without coercion is fundamental to our civil liberties and a basic principle in all human rights declarations. To learn more, tune in each Friday from 3 to 5 p.m. to an Informed Life Radio and visit the website informedchoicewa.org. It's time to take a stand for medical freedom. Go to Informed Choice Wa dot org today we need a Hello and 
welcome back to an informed life radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. I'm your host, Bernadette Pager, and I've got Javier Figueroa with me today. Um, I love that we started our first hour with all the, the hope and healing um, and energy and ideas yes. of our first guest. Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. And, you know, our next guest, I'm just so honored that they have agreed to come on the show and share their journey with us. I believe that their sharing of their their journey will um, be saving lives in the future. So I'm going to bring on Alan and Taylor Martin. Um, Alan and Taylor Martin are the parents of Trista, their beloved daughter, who at the age of 18 uh, last year, um, took one Pfizer shot and a couple months later passed away. <clears throat> so, um, Alan and Taylor, thank you so much for joining us here on an informed life radio. Thank, thank you. For having us. Um, I'm sorry. I've interviewed a lot of people over this and, and it's, you know, you know how it hits you out of the blue sometimes. So I apologize. Um, uh, I can't imagine anything more difficult than what you two are going through um, and the amount of courage it takes to step forward. And um, But I believe you were truly honoring your, your daughter, um, her memory, her life, and you're going to be saving countless lives by sharing um, what you went through. So I, I thank you for that. And I know there's a million parents out there that will be owing you a debt of gratitude for this. Um, I'm not quite sure where you would like to begin. Do you want to you want to begin talking about Trista? Um, yeah, I mean we can start with how uh, how great she was first. Um, she was a really really special girl. All she wanted to do was help people. She um, she had just graduated from high school. Last May, and was going to begin college this spring. Um, she was eighteen. She loved life. She loved to do all the things. She wanted to be everywhere and see everything. And you know, she hated ham. She hated ham. She hated she really ham. Had, hated <laughs> ham. She would get mad if they didn't have turkey sandwiches. At <laughs> Um, uh, uh oh, are, are you in her room? Yes. We are, <laughs> we are in her room. room. I see her stuffed animals, and yeah, so, <laughs> those those stuffed animals. Um, actually, I have a great story, yeah, with them, that's yeah. one of my favorite stories. Uh, she, she dated the same boy, uh, for about a year and a half ever since she was 16. He, he was a great, he's a great kid. Um, couldn't have asked for a better young man. Um, <clears throat> but like any couple, you know, they would get into the occasional disagreement or argument. And um, he worked at a local grocery store uh, very near the area where they sell the flowers and balloons and stuffed animals and things like that. Mm -hmm. So every time they would get into an argument, um, she would go up to his work and she would grab a stuffed animal she would, up, she would hold it up in the air and she would say, you're buying me this. 
And so they had a they had a name for these. Um, they called them forgiveness bears. Oh, there's, well, there's a few of them. There's up quite there. a few of them up there. But that, yeah, that's the story behind those. He has. Yeah, I love that. That really shows her personality. That she didn't wait for him to get it. She went and got it and said, "You're no. giving me this." Yeah, wow. went and picked yeah. it out, and then <laughs> at the end of the argument, though, she was like, "Okay, you're forgiven now. I've got, I've got a new family. You're forgiven." Yeah, but she, uh, she, she really loved kids. She wanted to be a child psychologist and a social worker. Um, we found her like a bucket list that she had made when she was 16. Um, we found it underneath her bed and she had been keeping track of it for the past few years. And um, most of the things on there were things for other people. It's her. Oh. It's hard to see. It was all in rainbow oh, color. Fun. She'd been crossing them out. And um, one of them was that she couldn't wait to turn 18 to donate blood. Mm -hmm. um, she wanted to be a foster parent. She wanted to adopt a teenager because she knew that everybody always wanted the younger ones, you know, the little kids. And she wanted to be a parent to the, to the unwanted basically. Yeah. yeah. And, um, she, she had a really big heart for people. Mm -hmm. She stuck up for her siblings, like yeah. nobody's business. She would, Man, she was a little firecracker when it came to that. And, you know, nobody messed with her siblings except for her. And, um, yeah. yeah. Where did she come in the lineup of siblings age wise? Where was she? She was actually next to the youngest. The second to last. Yeah. Okay. So, out of how we, many? Uh, well, there's actually a total of eight. It was a combination of his, mine, and ours. So, Aww. yeah. She was, she was one of the younger ones, but her and her mm -hmm. younger brother. We're really close. Uh, mm -hmm. They were five years apart, so mm -hmm. there wasn't like a whole lot of animosity there. You know, yeah, she, no sibling she, she, she was, <laughs> and so uh, and she really took care of him. She had uh, the same job for. Um, I just actually saw in something. It was two years. She had two the same years. job for two years, so ever since she could have a job, and right. she, you know, didn't have any bills or anything. So she just spent her money on whatever she wanted and she spent an entire paycheck on buying her little brother an iPhone one time. Wow. She bought him, you know, like $200 pairs of shoes. Yeah. A pair of Jordans. She just, she spoiled him, gave him money to walk down to the convenience store to get a snack. Just, she was a really, really great girl. She was funny. Oh gosh, mm -hmm. so funny. She was hilarious. She, um, I didn't, we know this now, but here's another story. Um, for the last year, now I'm 46. And, you know, I mean, that's, that's old to a teenager, but to all of us, that's really not that old. Right. Yeah. But I, about a year ago, I started getting uh, a lot of um, Beltone, uh, senior living, AARP. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Geezer, yeah. 
And I thought, you know, as I'm getting older, of course, this is going to start coming. But I, I feel like I'm getting a whole lot more than I should be getting. Yeah. And, um, and every time I would uh, I would check the mail and there'd be all of this stuff in there and I would complain. I'd be like, I'm not that old, you know. And she would walk by and just kind of, well, you're, you're old, Dad. You're, like, getting, you're, you're getting there. You're getting real old. <sighs> those and uh, I never yeah. put the two together but we found out from her older sister uh after she passed she goes she never she never you never found out that she signed you up for all that stuff could and signed her father up for all of these overly things yeah what would what would kind of bother him before now is a, a lovely little reminder you know when they come in the mail now we know that yeah. That was from her. Now every so. time I get a bell tone ad, I start to tear up a right? little bit. Yeah. And, and... So she she was pretty funny. She was a really she had a very unique yeah. a very unique taste for a, a teenage girl. Um she called it a grandma chic. Grandma chic. Yeah. She wanted she like yeah, she's got I mean there's the quilt. quilts on her belt. The quilt on her bed. Yes. She a, one of those brown floral couches <laughs> yeah. for when she moved out. Uh, no like good heavens. Um, she loved the old, um, like the almond or um, uh, just like avocado. avocado colored sinks and toilets. When they oh, had. good heavens. <laughs> she loved it. She thought it was just the coolest thing. Yeah. She loved to go thrifting. And mm -hmm. she thought it was the funniest thing to buy um, the t-shirts that say like, proud grandpa of an NSU student and she would wear these things around all the time. I mean, uh, she had one that said dad to be loading or something like that with a bottle on it. That was, it was just the, the yeah. funniest and she would just wear them out in public. She yeah. just loved them. She loved she very just... ironic shirts. <laughs> yeah. Great. Great sense of humor. Yeah. Really, really awesome kid. So I'm I'm so glad you you know you're thank you for sharing these wonderful memories and I'm glad you're able to laugh and enjoy who she was and the gift she was in your life and I hate to do this but yeah. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to bring you <laughs> to you know I was reading that you guys were not aware she she knew you weren't in favor of the shot and so she didn't tell you cuz she didn't want you to worry um did she get it because she felt she needed it or did she ever, did you ever find out why she decided to get the Pfizer shot? Well, we've heard several things from her friends because they knew that they were not supposed to tell us. Mm -hmm. um, she had gone to a concert down in Texas and uh, I think she got a lot of grief there. Um, like having to take a test before she went in, all, you know, all kinds of things. They made her wear a mask. Wear a mask. And then people who were vaccinated didn't have to wear a mask. And um, she thought she was going to need it for college, um, is what one of her friends said. And just knowing her and knowing her heart, uh, I think that those um, ads that, you know, they were running for a while that said, do it for grandma and grandpa. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that this would protect others, you know, how hard they pushed, pushed that, which we all know now is just a blatant lie. Um, I think that that really, yeah. really resonated with her. Just, I think it, I think it yeah. was, it was a mix of, 
that uh, feeling like she was doing her part to help the freedom that she felt that it would give her when she did it. And the fact that she thought, you know, what do my parents know? What do they know? What do they, I mean, yeah. I mean, when everyone else, when the media and celebrities and everybody's saying, get it, it's fine. And we're the only ones saying, yeah, don't, don't do this. This is, and at the time you couldn't find anything negative about it because they weren't allowing anything to be seen. And I really feel that had she even seen just even one other thing besides us, she yeah. she probably would have at least thought twice about it. And yeah, there's the COVID has revealed so much systemically that's wrong with our medical industry, with the corporate capture of our three-letter agencies that are supposed to be protecting us and overseeing all of that, and then the censorship and. Congress right now, with all their meetings, they're revealing how the censorship is coming rightly right from our own government. Um, I've been in this this uh, medical freedom, informed consent, truth about vaccines movement since before COVID. Censorship existed then. The the framework of our public health agencies saturating every aspect of society with vaccines are safe, effective, and necessary. And anybody who says otherwise is a nutcase. That was well planted before COVID. And then it went on steroids with COVID, the lies. Um, And I remember once talking um, with Del Bigtree in 2019, saying that I don't know how they're because the government agencies in order to admit, and this is pre COVID, this is just regular pediatric shots, the Gardasil shot and, you know, others that were harming and they were hiding it and they continue to hide it. You know, how are they ever going to change ways? They need to be able to save face because I can't imagine the CDC stepping up and saying, Oh gosh, we really did know that aluminum adjuvants harmed. We did know that the long-term consequences were greater than the risk of the disease we're trying to prevent. We, you know, it would have to take something really, really big to reveal all of this. I had no idea COVID was coming, but here we have um, you. You and your loss is really part of the strangest sort of world war we've ever witnessed. You know. It's like your daughter was sort of a casualty of war in a way. This war against germs, which has got a bigger platform of other things. And, you know, that's not what this program's about today, so I won't go there. But um, she really, you know, is a, a civilian casualty in this, in this war that was, um, has been happening. And through your speaking about her today and about her journey, War helps us reveal the tools of that war mm-hmm. because it was war against every citizen on this planet. And if we don't stand up and speak out what, what we saw, what happened and our losses, then they're just going to keep doing it. Um, so she went ahead and did it for all those noble reasons out of the goodness of her, her fun, funny heart doing the right thing. And at what point, well, you didn't learn until when did you learn that she had gotten it? When she was laying dying in the hospital. Oh, I'm a so friend sorry. of hers told us then she said, I I don't know if this makes any difference, but I feel like I think I need to tell you guys that she got the shot and didn't want us to tell you. 
Wow. And, and really, we weren't at, at, at that time. We weren't. We're not. We're not what you would call anti-vaxxers. We're. I mean, we, a lot of people actually call us that now. Yeah. But, but it's just this one. Yeah. I mean, we. You know, our our son has the, the MMR and all that, and you know, we didn't do the schedule the way that they say to do it because we think that doesn't make sense. Um, but we do believe that you know some vaccines do do good. Um, but maybe not 37 of them in a three-year-old, you know? Yeah. So, um, and then when this one um, was initially rolled out, we thought, you know, this is insane. First of all, they're telling us all that it's a new technology that they've never used before. Um, and that it normally takes eight to 10 years to get a new vaccine or any kind of medicine really on the market. But we're going to do this in like two or three months. And so at that point, we're like, well, the, 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 the virus that we're fighting um, has a 99.86%, you know, you know, kill rate on it, so or survival rate. So the kill rate on it is very low. They said from the beginning that it was affecting the elderly and those with comorbidities. We, we had a talk with the kids um, when it first came out back in early 2020. And luckily, we, we felt that we were, you know, blessed to be a relatively healthy family. Um, again, I'm fat, but other than that, I, I have no, no health problems, you know, that to speak of. Neither does she, neither do our kids. All of our kids, there's no comorbidities, no pre-existing conditions, nothing like that in our family. So we kind of just discussed it and we said, well, you know, we're not really on the, the target area of what this virus is. So the likelihood that something severe is going to happen is probably pretty low. Mm-hmm. So we think that we've all seen the commercials at, you know, two o'clock in the morning. Have you or a loved one ever taken insert drug here? Yeah. You know, and so we thought that this is, well, this is going to be another one of those. So we're, we're going to stay away from it. And we all kind of thought we were on the same page. But then mm-hmm. over the last two years, it's just been the constant onslaught of get it, get it, get it, get it. It's safe, safe and effective, effective, safe and effective. effective. Get yeah. your booster, get your booster number two, get your booster number three. And we just maybe we didn't press. I think we, yeah, we assumed that we were all yeah. on the same page, and but, yeah, but yeah. but even even at that point, when we when we learned about it, as she was in the the emergency room, it didn't immediately click. We didn't say, "Oh, that's that's what happened. That's why she's here." It didn't work like that. It, it wasn't until like two weeks after but that our brains kind of yeah. started working a little bit again. Then we both started. Researching. Separately researching, we didn't realize the other one was doing it, and we both kind of, yeah, well, we simply at the same time we're kind of like, I, I think it was the shot that did this. I, I was like, like, it's funny you say that because I read a, a NAH the, the, the gov article today, actually. That's yeah. So I mean, we kind of came together, and that's when we started more more research together, and that's when it talking to doctors, yeah, talking to without I mean, a doubt, yeah. And the question that, that I have. So just so don't sorry to interrupt, but when 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 she was in the hospital, what were the doctors telling you that you know had, Not a whole had caused lot. her? Well, they told us that she had about a one percent chance. That was their words. They said in situations like this, there's about a one percent chance, and we're like, I said, situations like yeah, what? Situations like what? What, what, is, what is this situation? And yeah. he said, well, you know, her her kidneys are failing. Um, 
Um, her heart is swollen. She has a blood glucose level of 610. She has multiple system organ failure. Not diabetic. No diabetes in the families. Yeah. I he, mean, he pointed to uh, a, a a bag on the side of the bed and he said, "We've got a we've had a catheter in and nothing's coming out." He's like, oh. "All of her organs are shutting down." And he's he said, like, "We don't we yeah. don't know why." So we need to get her on dialysis, but we can't do that because she's not stable enough. It'll just kill her faster. Um, they're trying to stabilize her. They did um, scans on her heart. They said that it was swollen. Um, one of the cardiologists there at the time did say myocarditis um, once to me and then never said it again. Um, and something that we didn't really think about, but we've been asked several times by other doctors now, they never asked us if she was vaccinated at all. Yeah, they never asked us. They never if asked she us if shot. she had the shot. What what sort of questions did they ask you? Because we have this 18-year-old girl who had been healthy, you know, just months before. And I was reading some of the interviews that you did. And, you know, I her, her friends had reported that after the shot, she was tired. And there were different things. What so might have been a, a, a slow rolling toward this yeah, these issues uh, building up. The only thing they asked us was, did she do drugs? Yeah. Before before they actually ran the toxicology, they, they asked They thought this was some type of fentanyl, fentanyl thing or actually, something. Actually, I think one of them in the ER, did or the, in the ambulance yeah. said that. And then her toxicology came back clean, and they said, so they yeah. kind of threw their hands up at that point. Yeah, which she was not that type of girl. She was terrified of drugs and stuff, of things that she would put in her body. She just... She freaked out over a spicy starburst. She, she accidentally ate a starburst. <laughs> didn't know that it existed. It was yeah. on Halloween. She oh, ate no. one and freaked out thinking someone oh. had poisoned her. Oh, um, dear. I had to dig in the trash and find the wrapper <laughs> to the spicy starburst spicy. to tell her everything was okay. Yeah. So yeah. she, there is no way she would do it. But in her toxicology report proved that it showed that it was that yeah. nothing like that. She, she had had, um, she got, when she got the shot, she told us that well, first of all, she had just turned 18. She told us that she didn't want to go to the normal general practitioner, that she wanted her own general practitioner. And so we said, oh, okay, whatever, you know, that's fine. And so she did that. But I, I think we're looking back. The reason why I think she did that is because she was planning to get the shot and she didn't want us to know. She was scared that we would find out through our normal GP. Mm -hmm. uh, but she did. She told us that she was going to go get a checkup and that mm -hmm. she was just going to get everything checked out, make sure everything's okay. She got full so blood she had up, blood work everything. done, and she came back, you know, a couple of days and uh, later, and she said, "Hey, everything's back. I'm perfectly fine. Everything's yeah. healthy." And so she, not there was nothing to report in the blood work, nothing. So she was fine, perfectly healthy, the day she got the shot. The day she got the shot, and then after that, now hindsight being 2020, she had started some things that we didn't that weren't really like her yeah regular for her the tiredness um the nausea after eating the getting dizzy when she stood up um and she had recently gotten a, a promotion at work they had made her the night shift manager and so she was making really good money um she was she, working a lot she, they, she would fill in shifts when they yeah. needed so she was doing a lot of hours we just kind of assumed it was from that <clears throat> yeah and i said well you need to get yeah. more sleep you need to rest more and um but then, come then, to find out, she was sleeping all the time. Yeah, she I was mean, sleeping like, every chance she got. Yeah, her she would go visit her boyfriend, and his mom was there, and she said that she would just fall asleep on the couch as soon as she got there. She would just go to sleep, and 
That she was, was not like her. Yeah, she was tough. She wasn't a, a complainer. She she didn't really complain about things. Mm-hmm. And so when when she'd stand up too fast or or whatever, and, and then she'd go, you know, Woo, everything just kind of went black for a second, and she'd laugh it off, like wow. you know, like it was a joke. And we, we just thought she needed to eat better. Yeah, and that's what like, I told her. I yeah. said, you you need to eat some steak, you know, because she's too tiny. Yeah. And um, and she laughed, and we laughed, and then we just went about our day. I, I, this this was nowhere yeah, in my mind. We had no idea that yeah. that this was something to be alarmed about. And she just went to the doctor and just had blood work done. So everything was fine. So we just assumed they were those things. And this is why it's so absolutely critical that, you know, I know your daughter was 18 and she was able to make the decision on her own, but throughout the United States, there's huge push for minors to consent to vaccination without parental knowledge or approval. And can you imagine your 15, 16 year old coming home experiencing all of this because they were encouraged to go behind your back and you have no idea. So you don't know what to do. You don't know to intervene. Um, It's, it's, you know, hindsight doesn't help you. It can't help you as a parent if you don't know. And this, this goes for so many things. We had a, a similar situation um, that I won't go into, but where there was exposure to something and because we were not told of the toxic exposure, we're out there searching for every other answer, but what it was, because we didn't know. And once you find out what it was, well, but we can't live there. And our, our first guest, um, she is helps people find what, what was it, Javier? It was like part of the healing journey and the way forward is acceptance of, of things. And you, I'm sure you've heard all that before, but she was talking about that. You know, life is full of things where you you either accept them and learn to move on as part of your journey or you just kind of live there and not really live. And um, I, it's way too soon for... <laughs> for me to be saying anything about it's time to move on and or not. I mean, I'm still grieving my mama who I, I lost in 2019, you know, you know, you always miss them, but when you can find those memories um, and you can do what you're doing to help bring this forward. I, Javier, maybe kind of help me out here. It's just so, you know, what can we say? I'm a, I'm a woman who likes action. When I hear injustice, I want to roll up my sleeves and I want to do something. I want to help. So I guess maybe the first thing I would like from you is how can we help you? Are you are you doing some sort of fundraising to do something to honor Trista or to litigate against what happened to her? Is there any way that we as a community can help you? Um, we're actually trying to raise money for, for both um, and speaking with people who can help us and who have been through similar type things before. Um, okay. And so I, we are trying to raise money for her memorial. Um, because like most okay. parents, uh, we did not plan on having to bury our child. And no. uh, it is not something that I would wish on anyone. And and what is the website for that, for people to go help out? Um, it is gibsongo.com slash justice. For the number four, the Justice number for four, Trista. Trista. Justice number four, Trista. Justice for Trista at Give Send Go. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. And, our and, on there and everything too. And, um, 
So did you know at the time, once you figured things out, did you know to go report to VAERS? Did you know about the vaccine injury compensation? Well, it's not VICP. It is the countermeasures um, protection program. Did you, do you know about that? Have you been helped? We didn't at first, uh, but thankful, thankfully for uh, Twitter, um, we have found a really great group of, you know, Vax injured and um, people like that who have really, I don't know where we'd be or what we'd be doing without it, actually. They have been amazing. Um, It's great not, you know, this kind of, and the way that the media and social media, everything has been separating people and Mm -hmm. silencing people you feel alone. And so it's really great to have Twitter now the way that it is to be able to go on there and find like-minded people and find people who've been through the same things and really be able to come together. And we've, we've had that. We've had the, we've had the privilege of meeting um, a lot of parents and, um, and like she said, uh, the actual vaccine injured people Mm -hmm. Um, like some of the, uh, Dan Hartman, he's actually from Canada and kind of touching, circling back to what you were just talking about. Um, in Canada, they, they do. They, 12, 12 and, above. and above can get it without so, their parents' consent. Yeah. So Dan Hartman's son, Sean, was 17. He didn't know that he had gotten the shot. Um, he got it to play hockey. Yeah. He got it because he loved to play hockey and it was the only way he could stay on the team. 33 days after the shot, his mom found him dead beside his bed. Oh. Um, and then there's, uh, Caitlin Goatsey in Australia. There's um, Ernesto Ramirez from Texas. I think they're from, and we, yeah. we've talked. We've talked a lot with Ernest, um, and then of course uh, Stephanie Daguerre, her daughter Maddie. Yes, who yeah. is injured and who Pfizer just blatantly lied about. Just I lied. Mean, yeah. Just lied, and then just left them to to deal with it by deal with on their own. And the, the, the most horrific thing, which we we've talked with Stephanie and Stephanie is just such a wonderful oh, person. I mean, just a wonderful. good, good person. She feels so guilty. She, she harbors some kind of un, misplaced guilt for Trista because of what happened to Maddie. And she, so she, she had, they reported had they what been actually truthful, happened. Yeah. She said, mm-hmm. Trista would may still be alive. Happen. Yeah. Had they been truthful, had Pfizer not lied and reported the actual adverse reactions that happened to Maddie, Trista would still be alive. And, and she she blames herself for that for some reason. And which is just absolutely not the case. Yeah. I mean, that is But all of these yeah. all of these people have, have helped us tremendously and have mm-hmm. given us so many so many resources and and knowledge and places to go. Mm-hmm. And advice and things like that, yeah. that there's no way we could have, there's no way we could it, continue it, without them. Yeah. It would, it would have taken us years to get all of the information that, that they've given to us. And we still uh-huh. meet, still meet new people every day that, that have been through similar situations or at least are in a particular field mm-hmm. and they reach out because they, they see, and they want to spread the message they 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 want to fight just as hard as we want to fight and mm-hmm. and that's amazing to me because they haven't lost any you know a lot of them haven't lost anybody mm-hmm. yeah. they just see the the horror of it and understand that it's just wrong yes so, yeah. yeah 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 and 
it, it, it goes back to our first hour and, you know, the healing journey that you all need to need to take that I hope you're able to take together. It's going to be, you know, all of us as parents. I mean, if you look up parenthood in the dictionary, doesn't it say guilt right next to it? I mean, <laughs> even in the best of times, we doubt what we, you know, we're second guessing. If I hadn't done that, you know, wouldn't this wouldn't have happened. I mean, we sort of live there, but at times like this, it can be crippling. And um, we know that we know that our loved ones would not want us crippled by our guilt because at the time we did them, we'd no new, you know, we, we all did best. Right. Um, most people in this movement, we don't consider ourselves anti-vaxxers either. We're people who either last year, two years ago, or 20 years ago made a decision to get our children vaccinated or, or we feel like we didn't say enough to somebody and an injury happened. And we have to, move beyond that self-guilt or it just, we can't live there. We don't help ourselves or really honor the, our loved one's memories, you know, and it's, it can be hard to let go of. Um, and so I'm so glad that you found your people, our people to, to help move forward and heal um, and make big changes. Um, you know, the silver lining of this dark COVID cloud has been the revealing of so much systemic problems that allowed this to happen. And I'm, I'm a person of deep hope. I am, I, I like, I call myself a hopeless optimist <laughs> and I believe that we're going to emerge from this better and stronger, a more humane world, appreciating freedom, um, and so much, but the casualties have been huge and they continue every day. But there's going to be fewer casualties because of um, you guys speaking up and, and others speaking up and pushing back and standing for truth no matter what they put in our way. We we will not be silenced. Um, yeah. We, so, we won't. Um, Tristan would be furious with us if we were. Yeah. She, you know, she wanted to help people. She, I think she would be absolutely horrified if we didn't do something and let some other child be harmed. A lot of the, a lot of the trolls um, on Twitter and everywhere else, you know, they, they like to press on the fact that, you know, she was 18 and, and they said that, well, she, she had a choice. Oh, she, yeah. she chose to get this shot, you know, yeah, there's so many, they're so awful. Yeah. And, um, one of the things that, that I like to say back to them is that that she did not choose to die. She didn't That's right. She didn't she didn't choose this. She chose what she was told was safe and effective. And it was neither safe or effective. And the the lies that continue to come from the media and our government and the mm -hmm. talking heads that keep repeating this, they know they're lying. Mm -hmm. this, they do. You know, it's a they lie. Do. And yeah. it's, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. It's not informed consent if they don't give you information. Exactly. 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 Then it's just coercion and fraud. And I mean, every other word you want to throw on it. Um, it's absolutely not informed consent. It violates every human rights declaration we've ever had. And it's beginning to emerge. And it's going to snowball. Thank goodness Congress is, you know, 
having all these meetings and truth is coming out and the lies are being exposed and, you know, action will follow. But what we really as, as individuals have got to learn, what was the term Javier um, that Karen Maloney had? It was oh, extreme responsibility, self-responsibility, extreme self-responsibility, because yeah. I think for, especially as Americans for too long, a lot of us would say, and I was guilty as anybody else up into a certain age until, you know, my own experience of harm to my family woke me up. Um, you can't fight City Hall. Oh, well, all the politicians are corrupt. There's nothing I can do. You know, I didn't know who my elected officials are. I'd never been to a meeting. I'd never been to the legislature. I was not participating in this great republic of ours. I was not paying attention. And when I look back and I see all the pieces of the puzzle put into place that allowed COVID to happen, where was I? What was I doing? Going to my job, coming home, cooking dinner, sitting in front of the TV, watching sitcoms, watching Friends, watching Seinfeld, you know, as if there was no care in the world and no meeting needed me to go out there. I'm, I'm not dishing sitcoms because they're at right now reruns of sitcoms are my salvation because I do this like 24 seven. And there's times when I just need to turn my brain off and I turn on something okay. to just make me laugh. Right. I hope you have, you know, I mean, I know I need to, okay, our first hour, I'm not supposed to do that. I'm supposed to meditate and actually get in touch with my inner self and feel the pain. But I like reruns of Frasier. I'm sorry. That's what I do. <laughs> um, where am I? I'm just rambling here at this point, but um. You know, we all, no matter what our governments do, no matter what they decide to take action on the lies, we, the people, are done. We are absolutely done with big pharma. We're done with the corporate capture. We're done with trusting public health. You know, it's we, the people, have to protect each other. We have to protect ourselves. We have to live in that space of criticizing and researching everything and trusting our inner instincts and trusting um, ourselves rather than these giant entities that have become these monsters. We created them. We need to take them apart stone by brick. Well, yeah. and sadly, even our own, uh, you know, doctors who, whom we have trusted yeah. are not doing their job. They are not it's like they've lost that. You're supposed to question everything. You're, you're mm -hmm. supposed to figure things out. Uh, we just went and listened to Dr. Peter McCullough last night. And he, he was talking about that, that he was just so flabbergasted that his colleagues were not trying to figure out a way to treat this. That, that they were all just blatantly going along with, oh, there's no treatment. There's no cure. You can't, you can't fix this you just have to you know mm -hmm. the backwards yeah the, the way that covid was addressed by the medical community is absolutely backwards from the way that anything ever has been addressed the way that it normally uh, occurs treatment plans is that the the best treatment plans are figured out by the doctors shared amongst the doctors and then that progresses upwards and then gets approved and recommended by the higher up organizations, the agencies, stuff, you know, they start, yeah. that's, when, that's when they come in. Yeah. That's, not, not at the beginning telling everyone what to do. Right. Once, exactly. once, once the, the frontline doctors have decided, you know, okay, look, this is what seems to be working the best for this. This seems to be working the best for, for this condition. 
this is what we recommend. And then another doctor may come in and say, you know what, I've tried this and this is a little different, but you know, and then the CDC will look at all of this and then, or the FDA will recommend their own protocol as, as it relates to that information from the doctors. The way that COVID went down was completely opposite. The, this, this group, this small group of doctors, quote unquote doctors, uh, just yeah. mandated the, the treatment for it all over the world. And then the mm-hmm. treatment was killing people. Yeah. Yes. And, That's what I called it. Uh, yeah. Remdesivir, run, death is near. That's what, right. the, the That's what nurses were calling it in, yeah. and in it's, hospitals. It, 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 it is so corrupt and so backwards that, and, and the fact that most doctors continue this charade, because really that's all that it is, is still to this day, it's astounding. Well, and the, and the, the, the narrative was such that it was trust the science, trust the science. What scientist has ever just trusted science? You're supposed to question science. You the, always keep questioning, keep finding yeah. out new things. And that exactly. just how yeah. they tried to shut people down with that. Oh, just trust the science. Trust the phrase. Trust the science. Right? Yeah, trust it, the phrase. Not, yeah. No, not at all. And it just blew my mind throughout the whole thing of them saying that. And now it just completely angers me. And sorry, I got a little heated. No, no you, you have every right to be infuriated by um, yeah, the, the, so I, let, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about your next steps on your journey. So I'm, I'm glad you're doing the give, send, go again. It's justice, the number four, uh, Trista, T-R-I-S-T-A, um, at give, send, go. Um, but you're going to be maybe looking into, is it, you know, next steps trying to file for, uh, compensation, some sort of lawsuit against, Pfizer? I don't know. What do you consider? Um Yes, all of the above, all, really. But the, um, the, the emergency yeah. youth author, authorization is what's got to come down. That's got mm-hmm. to come down. Mm-hmm. And there has to be many things that are done before that can come down. Um, for like, yeah, ha- it has to be proven that Pfizer committed fraud. Now, I mean, we know that they, they did. We, you know, uh, Stephanie DeGuerre knows that they did. Yeah. Um, lots of people know that they yeah. did. But a court has to decide that f- that fraud was committed. Once once they can prove that, then all of their protections come crumbling down. Okay, and, good. You know me, me personally, I, I want you know criminal, not necessarily you know punitive or yeah. civil. I want criminal charges. That's what that's what I'm that's what I'm aiming for. I want people to be yeah. to be held accountable for what they've done. Right, yeah. and so. Exactly. I Otherwise, think, if, if they're just shelling out money, I honestly don't think that it'll stop it. And it's not stopping yeah. it from happening again. Yeah, just a couple of years yeah. before Pfizer did this, they paid out the largest you know settlement they've ever had to pay. So it's not like making them pay money doesn't does anything. Yeah. It doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. So no. short no. of short of, of, you know, twisting that that not only that organization, but the CDC, the FDA, all of the people corrupt- in the government that have just <clears throat> the, helped us along the way the entire time. Particular mm-hmm. people that mm-hmm. I will name. Uh, Scott Gottlieb is one of them. He's a former FDA commissioner. And he now sits on the board of directors for Pfizer. Nothing fishy there. Yeah, he needs to be. He needs. He needs to have some trial and sentencing going on. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Of course, our world's favorite veterinarian Albert Borla, um, who's the the CEO of Pfizer. A lot of people don't know that he's he's a vet. He's a, a veterinarian. veterinarian. He's never seen a human patient in his life. Um, 
you know, that Walensky, I mean, the list can go on and on and on and on with yeah. the people who have knowingly, you know, just, it's not just Fauci. <laughs> yeah. It's not just Fauci. Yeah. You, you can, you can, con you can concentrate all your hate and anger on that, you know, one. It's just the face. Yeah. He's but just it's the face. Exactly. Right. But it, the, the, the list goes deep, very deep. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, they really just, the accountability needs to end. And not quiet accountability, not to where, you know, not this like comes a, done and then nobody can talk about it yeah, because that's what right. they've done in the past and what, why they can continue to do this to people because other people don't believe it. They don't know. I that's, mean, that's, that's what I think is most important right now. We're kind of working on it right now. We've bought a URL. We're going to be working on some informational websites where people can go for very, uh, very direct, true data statistical information information without true. all the fluff and yeah without all hidden. the fluff yeah one of one of the things that that specifically kind of bothers me um and in this in this movement i i believe that they're plants personally um but you if you start to try to do research about mrna and you you do research about the the hazards and the the spike protein, the, you know, cytokine storm and the, you know, all of the, 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 the real things that people that are causing deaths that are causing the, the, the um, your body to attack you know, itself. Yeah, basically. The myelinitis. Yeah. Uh, we, a mm -hmm. lot of people are suffering from myelinitis, which is your nerves are coated in almost like a sheathing, like a wire. Um, and the MRNA shot attacks that it's called myelin and it attacks that and it's causing a lot of the, the symptoms and the conditions that people are getting after this mRNA shot. Um, so if I tell you all these facts, and then at the end of it, I say something like, you know, and it's really, it all goes down to those those green lizard people. You know, if it wasn't for the green lizard people and the microchips that they're putting in, yeah. just the moment I say that, it loses all, everything I've yeah. said before that loses all credibility. So yeah. that's, what, that's what we're trying to so stay I, away from. Right. Can we just stick with facts? We want, yes, yeah. <laughs> we actual data, yeah. That, you know, we're not talking about Elon Musk controlling your brain from yeah. remote because of the jab. So we're not crazy. talking about, you know, green lizard people. We're not talking about anything else no other conspiracies, than conspiracies, just facts. Right. Which I mean, right. and of course, everything this day is a we're all conspiracy theorists because. Right. And that's why I think they're plants. I think mm -hmm. that they 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 might put these people in there to, to agree, 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 and then, then throw this ridiculousness out. Exactly. And, then, and then here's Bigfoot. Yeah. Right. Um, exactly. But, exactly. you know, so it, we, I, yeah. there probably is, uh, I would, I would agree with you. There's probably a certain amount of plants out there to make us look as ridiculous as possible. They've always right. done this. This is part, this is big pharma's plan to discredit, to, to make you look bad, but let's face it. <laughs> there are a lot of people that like to jump into issues and they go a hundred percent crazy and they don't need anybody. <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> you know, yeah. we've all got that, those crazy people in our family and our network that, that need no help in going too right. far. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you? Um, it's just, it's kind of human nature. And in fact, it was interesting. I was talking to this wonderful Senator here this afternoon um, in Tennessee. He's 75 years young. He's just awesome. And what he quoted the Bible, and forgive me, I can't get the exact verse, but he said, the Bible says, like, there's nothing, there's nothing more dangerous than somebody like new to an idea who thinks they know it all, and then just they go gung ho. 
Um, it's basically you get a little bit of knowledge and then they jump in and because they don't know the full picture, but they just, they just have to tell the world and they just sort of make it, everybody look like an idiot. And right. I, I need to find that. I'm not saying it right. Um, the Senator just said it, said it so much more exquisitely, but it sounds like you got my point there. That yeah, it's like, it's that bell curve of knowledge. The more <laughs> yeah. you know, the more you realize you don't know anything. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And the yeah. very yeah. fact that, that, that these scientists can, you know, it's really, I've, I've noticed for years now, pre COVID, you know, you get all this safe and effective. Everybody has to get it. You know, if, if you doubt us, you're an anti-vaxxer and all that, but if you went to the actual scientists and you went to PubMed and you were reading studies about this and that, and you were reading dialogue between the actual research scientists in the lab or talking about it, you would hear them say things like, well, you know, we haven't quite figured out, this one fried me, how to, you know, the infant immune system is, is really designed not to be reactive. And it's because it's supposed to be populating with this brand new world with all sorts of microbes. And if it reacted to every microbe it's exposed to, or they'd be in a state of constant inflammation, you couldn't survive. Mm -hmm, right. So they're yeah. really not meant to be able to mount a full antibody response. They're meant to have their mother passively protecting them for the first year or so of life. And then you go read these research scientists trying to develop drugs and vaccines for little infants. And they're trying to figure out how to overcome the infant's immune system's reluctance. Right. Yeah. And then you also hear them things like in 2019 as, and you know, we were beginning to be told in 2020 about this new MRNA model of vaccine in a lipid nanoparticle. So I was going down the rabbit hole. What's the technology like? And I was looking yeah. up lipid nanoparticle and they were so excited about the ability of this lipid nanoparticle for cancer because it crosses the blood brain barrier and will carry whatever is in it into the brain. And I'm thinking this doesn't sound like a good idea, mm -mm. but they were. The re it sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. Right. That's what it sounds yeah. like. And the researchers were talking about how, um, uh, they had not been able to overcome the problems of reactogenicity, which is the adverse reactions, basically, of anything using lipid nanoparticles. And they were naming all the things that are showing up in record numbers in the vaccine adverse event reporting system. This was 2019. They had not overcome the published problems with the platform of this technology when they came out with these shots. And it just like, wait a minute, common sense. Yeah. No, I'm, you know, you get, you get accused of being um, you know, like a Google researcher and I'm going to shut up now because it's three minutes remaining and I want to focus on our guests. So I apologize. <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole. No, so, no it happens. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So Alan and Taylor, um, I guess I'm going to give you the final words here. What did, what do you want to say to this audience? Just to, gosh, it sounds awful to just, say, don't trust anyone, but almost don't do your own research and don't just take things at their at face value. I mean, especially things you hear from the media. I mean, gosh, it's just. Who do you now trust after your journey? When you say do your own research, who do you now trust? You trust <laughs> each, your, other, each other? Because uh, we do. Uh, we're just those people that what if you 
you read it once. It, that's not that's not the final thing. Let's find it somewhere else too that says this. Let's you know, yeah, you know, yeah. more than one person saying it, and let's check out. Are, are there yeah. are there are there organizations that you trust where you find that the information they post have been vetted and and um, I saw you were at React nineteen. You have a React um, nineteen is a great. Um, organization. And I think what makes it great is it's not just one person. Yeah. It, it's mm -hmm. a group of people and they take things from other people too. Like if they, from the people who've been injured, they find out all the things from them too. And so I, I think that that's more of like a community than just an organization. So mm -hmm. it's a great place to take your questions. Um, and, yeah. and they can help you from there, but react19.org. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've loved for a long time the flccc.net, the COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance, Pierre Corey, um, yeah. and, yeah. and Paul Merrick, and all of them with their healing protocols to help people who have been injured. So, um, Javier, any last just, questions? Just, I don't know if you've heard of Brooke Jackson and her case, her whistleblower case. I'm her today, actually, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, yay. So, Keep yeah. on doing that. More stuff is going to come out. I think that the spider web of connections that showed the the involvement of the Department of Defense and all of that. <laughs> yeah. It sounds oh, like yeah. Kim today. She just was talking about the spider web. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Alan. Alan and Taylor Martin, thank you so much for sharing your journey. Our love to you, our prayers for you. And I know Tristan's watching all over all of us. You've been listening to an Informed Life Radio on 1150 AM KKNW and CHD TV. We'll be back next week. Take care. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Brian Dacus, president and founder of the Pacific Justice Institute. For over 25 years, PGI's mission has been to defend religious freedom, parental rights, and the sanctity of human life. PGI has protected patients from being taken off life support and stood up for citizens around the country facing job loss for medical decisions that should be left between them and their doctor. For free legal representation and resources, visit pji.org. Hi, I'm Lynn Redwood, president of the nonprofit Children's Health Defense. Our chairman, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and our entire team are devoted to ending the epidemic of illnesses and disorders plaguing our children today. Through legal action, we're working to hold industries and government agencies accountable and to establish safeguards to prevent further harm. We're working overtime during this COVID-19 crisis to keep you informed about the politics and science of rush vaccine candidates. Freedom and our children's futures have never been more in jeopardy. But we can succeed. With your help, we can stop the devastation and give our children and grandchildren the healthy future they deserve. To learn more about what we're doing and how you can help, visit childrenshealthdefense.org and sign up for our free news. Please visit childrenshealthdefense.org today. Are you suffering from a sinking feeling that the COVID-19 pandemic is being blown out of proportion and that nothing in the news is making any sense? If so, then there is a fact-based, science-driven news show designed just for you. 
My name is Del Beatry, and I am the host of The High Wire, the world's most trusted news source in digital media when it comes to accurate, science-based reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic. From COVID-19 vaccine development to mask mandates, school shutdowns to job layoffs, The High Wire goes beyond providing you with the most accurate, evidence-based investigations. We send you links to the sources for all of our reporting so that you can further your own investigation and come to your own informed conclusions. High above the agenda-driven circus of mainstream media, we do not run. We do not hide from the truth. Instead, we walk the high wire. If you care about truth, then join us on Instagram, Twitter, Roku, and our website, thehighwire.com.